Welcome to Muffliato, a Harry Potter podcast where we fill your ears to prevent you from hearing nearby conversations. I'm Josh. And I'm Blake. And today, Josh and I name fingers and point names as we continue our journey through Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire and come now to the 30th chapter, The Pensive. All right. So, Josh, I love a good uh, pensive chapter. I love a good sort of going mm. into the memories of. Uh, it's one of, uh, I think, the greatest like scenes, uh, I feel like, in all of the Harry Potter, you know, uh, books and uh, is the uh, uh, looking into uh, I guess the whole story behind Snape and uh, and like looking mm. at Snape's mm. memories um, and so there's something really nice about it and so it's really cool to witness other people's I don't know memories what they've seen what they've done and uh, and what what they've experienced and so we actually get quite a, a few different accounts uh, a few different memories about three or four uh, in this chapter which is pretty sweet yeah yeah this is a bit of an interesting chapter in that it's it's a bit of a a rapid fire memory through Barty Crouch's uh, role as kind of judge jury and executioner yeah 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 he is he's the big dog he's the big cheese yeah and and, and, and like uh him. i don't know if uh i don't know if the listeners are getting tired of of this if it's a bit of a hobby horse of ours but once again <laughs> magical justice at its finest barty crouch just has way too much control i feel yeah it seems it seems a little bit like he's the the kind of the dictator of it all and he's just kind of yeah. like you know hey yeah. does anybody else agree as i do putting their hands <laughs> up and like looking around that they should just be uh life yeah. sentenced and oh, it's kind man. of like uh we know you're doing it regardless mate so just get get on with it totally it's one of those things where <laughs> Or you just look at it and think to yourself, surely somewhere in in Hogwarts there is a child of of muggles whose parents are lawyers and is just thinking to himself or herself, what is going on in this place? I agree. They uh, this is a sham. This is just uh, this is kind of like surely there's got to be some kind of uh, outside maybe uh, audit. Uh, or anything like that. Let's summarize that chapter, Blake. Harry is welcomed into the room, but informed that the three wizards will be examining the spot of Mr. Crouch's disappearance while he waits in the office. Rather than sitting quietly, Harry explores an open cupboard containing magical instruments and pauses when he sees a stone bowl with an odd substance inside. As he looks at the glimmering bowl, he sees a miniature room with many people inside. The closer he looks, the clearer the scene becomes until he tips over and enters the room himself. Once he he quickly realizes that this is a memory and that no one present can see him. He witnesses three successive trials of people accused of being involved with Lord Voldemort. First, he witnessed Igor Karkarov attempt to give names of other Death Eaters to Mr. Crouch, who presides over the cases. Karkaroff is largely unsuccessful in his attempts, although he does provide one new name. Next, Harry witnesses the questioning of Ludo Bagman, who is not ultimately convicted of passing information to the dark side. Finally, he sees several people questioned and convicted for the torture of Frank and Alice Longbottom. One of the accused, the youngest person, is Barty Crouch Jr. Despite his son's pleas and his wife's cries, Mr. Crouch calls for life sentences in Azkaban. Dumbledore, having returned from his trip outside the castle, leads Harry out of the pensive and into the present. He explains that this magical item helps him organize his thoughts. Harry doesn't seem to be able to grasp someone having so many thoughts that they would need a pensive. Harry tells Dumbledore about his dream and is surprised that the headmaster already knows about the incident during the summer. His explanation is that these dreams and the painful scar are a result of Voldemort's increasing power and specific instances of anger. He also suggests that the three missing persons, Bertha, Mr. Crouch, and Frank, have disappearances which are all related and similar to the Dark Lord's last reign of terror. 
Dumbledore also confirms that the tortured couple are Neville's parents and remain in St. Mungo's to this day with mental injuries. Finally, Harry asks about Snape and Ludo, two people accused in the memories, and Dumbledore assures him that neither have been involved in the dark arts since these trials. As Harry leaves, Dumbledore asks him to keep the Longbottom's news to himself and wishes him well before the third task. I do love this chapter, Josh, and one of my favorite parts in it is the uh, kind of how Rowling just sets up Barty Crouch Jr. and especially, you know, with his death and that he died, you're like, you just don't suspect Barty Crouch Jr. Uh, and uh, mm. which I think mm. is just a, such a such an awesome uh, an awesome job uh, from Rowling on on that to to do that. But one of the things that man it just almost tugs uh, at your heartstrings a little is uh, is just having Mrs. Crouch there uh, at the uh, at that kind of hearing or at that sentencing, and you know she's that that woman just sort of sniffling and and crying in the uh, the corner, and just those moments of um, you know of sadness when things are declared, when her son walks in, things like that. It's um, yeah, it's, I don't know it's just a very uh, emotional scene, but um, you know you you do see him pleading being it wasn't me it wasn't me but clearly i think it was with the the later evidence that you know he uh, he was uh, involved and uh des- you know deserves to to head to azkaban uh, but you do think like oh maybe he is innocent i don't know he just it sounds uh, realistic at least on the audiobook it sounds like um you know this it's just a, he's just a boy he's just a kid yeah yeah that's a it's a great question i don't know if we'll answer it but um <laughs> certainly certainly with the trial to once again bring this back up like with with the trial being somewhat of a sham, it uh, it does leave us wondering: was was this man guilty? He doesn't really seem to have been given his day in court. Yeah, yeah. Was was uh, it Azkaban that turned him? Uh, you know, kind of essentially made him go to Voldemort in the end. You lock seal the deal essentially, uh, yeah. rather than uh, you know beforehand. But uh, no, I, I do think it was beforehand. I think he, he certainly seemed to be a Death Eater. But I I, I don't yes. know if we're we're we're, we're given a, was... a fair trial on this particular mm. issue, right? Yeah. Exactly. Whether whether he was actually, you know, because he sort of said, it wasn't me, father. It wasn't like it, he didn't make any yeah, pro- yeah. proclamations of like, I'm not a Death Eater father. Like, that's yeah, not me. Yeah. It's like, it's more yeah. like, no, this wasn't me. I didn't do this because maybe if he was just a, yeah. a, a a regular old Death Eater, maybe he would be getting a less of a sentence. But yeah, it's mm. just interesting. But, you know, and then, you know, when you think about Kakarov kind of like in this situation, selling people out, it's like, man, it's a, it's a dangerous business to be in when you're, you're pointing out others and, and uh, making them go to prison. Yeah. When you've got a list of names and the list of names is becoming increasingly um, worthless, you really got to dig deep and hope that some of your names really hit home. And they do say snitches get stitches now is that the key theme mm. of this uh, of this chapter josh that snitches get stitches i don't know maybe you can you you might have something different than than i do <laughs> <laughs> I, I like that i like that key theme probably for uh for a, a later chapter when we see uh igor karkarov kind of uh, gunned down so to speak uh, Ooh, by the the voldemort up. mafia yeah. <laughs> but i i do think that given the courtroom theme you know one of the main questions of of this chapter is is just who who is is guilty who is innocent who is perhaps guilty but goes free and so i, I think a, a key theme for this chapter would be accusations mm. and and we just see so many of these accusations made we see harry wrestling with what is is Snape's role in all this? What is Ludo Bagman's yeah. role in all this? As well as the people who probably were right 
wrongfully convicted, even if they were wrongfully tried, like the lady we're not quite told about, but we know from her description, was um, the the lieutenant or lieutenant herself of the Dark Lord. Yes, this thing you you just know it's Bellatrix Lestrange. That uh, yeah. You, yeah, like it's such you, a great you, description, especially like be, because we don't know the name really yet. Is oh, it's just no. it's incredible. So, yeah. but but like you 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 know the fact that she was like sitting on like a throne or like like she just felt like yeah you know yeah, like yeah. you just like yes that would be her and uh, and yeah. so i just i love that i think it's so good it's a great little uh, a little moment there just to reveal it and uh, without even obviously revealing too too much because she's not the focus you know that this boy is That's right uh, yeah. uh, so you know crouch jr so really just interesting there so i i do love that and um, it is a scene of of or a, a chapter of accusations and uh, you know when we when we think of accusations maybe looking at Karkaroff obviously naming these people you know we we get to see some new death eaters or at least some I think we might have heard uh, one or two of these names, but obviously the ones that, are, you know, Antonin Dolohoff, even Rosia, mm. uh, Mulsaba, Travers, Augustus Rookwood, and uh, and obviously Severus Snape. But obviously Severus Snape is vouched for, but uh, Augustus Rookwood, I believe, is one of the names that uh, actually might, mm. you know, help Karkaroff out the most. Yeah. Because I think he's currently a member in the, in the Department of Mis- Mysteries. So it's kind of like, oh man, that's pretty interesting. And so those are some of the uh, accusations made from Kakarov, but we obviously get to to hear a few other little death hitters that we will hear of some of those later on as uh, as well. But yeah, interesting that this is where I guess the confirmation from Harry that like Snape was a death eater and that revelation mm. there. Yeah, that's something that's really new for us, and I, I guess it maybe goes into part of the the main uh, character development that we see is that all these things have kind of been hinted at so far, but but now we see it confirmed as well as we see not the reason for Dumbledore's support, but we see just how how clear his support was from the beginning. It's it's like yes. um, it's it's as if we we see his support in this visible way in a courtroom in a trial like this, and we're reminded, okay, it's more than just an employer-employee relationship. Um, there's something which has <laughs> really some special deal. cemented his belief. Yeah, there's got to be something. And, and Harry's there. Harry's going to be skeptical. Harry's oh, going to yeah. be skeptical um, because he doesn't know the full truth. As, as a lot and, of people are. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And one one thing that it's it's really interesting and maybe a little bit of character development, not specifically. I guess it's character development for Neville Longbottom because we learn about his parents and, and mm. Neville's really the the character that we see in this book and that we're kind of following yeah. along with as a sort of a side character. Even though we do obviously get to see um, his his parents in uh, the next book, I believe it is. Josh, is that correct? That it's the next book that we get to uh, see. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And so, um, over yeah, the when they go to, and, and to they... visit, ah, yeah. yes, that's right. And, uh, and so this is interesting. And, you know, that Frank Longbottom, obviously Neville's dad, Aura tortured, uh, along with his wife, uh, Alice, uh, that, uh, trying to find out, you know, they were trying to find out essentially the, uh, the knowledge of Lord Voldemort's location, uh, which obviously wasn't known or divulged. But my question is why, why do you think Neville hasn't shared that bit of information with his friends, mm. especially Harry, who he knows yeah. has lost his parents, and Neville being such kind-hearted, you know, friend, that would be like maybe this would be a, a, an opportunity to like really understand Harry and be like, I I understand in a way what you're going through, mm. 
you know, yes, these are just teenage boys, but I feel like Neville's, you know, maybe that way inclined and he's 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 quite a, a good friend like that. So I'm just wondering, why do you think that maybe Neville hasn't shared yeah. that? Minus the obvious reason yeah, that I, okay, Rowling's just introducing this uh, in this book as like a little yeah, thing and maybe yeah. hadn't thought about it. I don't know. Now, now that's probably the case, but, you know, <laughs> putting us in the world where, you know, this has always been true of Neville since the beginning. Yes. So putting us in that, that state of mind. Yeah, I, I, I can't help but think that you know, number one, doesn't really seem to fit Neville's character, especially at this point, to to share that kind of news. You know, maybe mm. later on, but we see in Order of the Phoenix the fact that that he is, you know, a little bit embarrassed about what's what's going on. And yeah. and when he's not embarrassed, he is, I think, treasuring the little moments. You know, I think one of his parents, I think it's his mom, gives him a, a candy wrapper and and Neville mm. And Neville appreciates it, whereas his grandmother is like, oh, just throw it away. Um, and and yeah. so I think he appreciates kind of the small moments that he gets by himself while also being a little bit embarrassed, unsure about how to do it. And then we also just see him as someone who doesn't really strike up conversations, right? And so I think if I think if Harry, you know, once once having seen it, if Harry were to bring up the subject, I think Neville would be you know, at first upset, but perhaps would talk about it there if, if that makes sense, Blake, but but wouldn't bring it up in the first place. Wouldn't wouldn't be the person to make that first move and uh in yeah, actually yeah. making that kind of yeah. like I'm gonna bring this up to you. And uh, I think we we yeah. see in the back half of these of the series of of books, I think, you know, that's when Neville his kind of character development really shines through, you know, when we actually mm. see him and his courage builds and uh, his ability grows and you know I think we see him in so by the end of the book, yes, he probably at that point would maybe openly talk about it uh, with you know those closest to him. But maybe right now he's, he's still developing. But I do, I love that moment uh, with the candy wrapper. I think that's mm-hmm. when it says, you know, he, you know, uh, Harry saw him, you know, pocket it. And I think Harry maybe had the thought that he could imagine that somewhere at his home, there'd be a box filled with these wrappers or something like that. And it's yeah. just like a really- It's just really tragic, nice- isn't it? It's a it's a tragic thing. It's like a really sad aspect of um of this, and and you can see that like how how kind of almost furious or angry uh, Dumbledore mm. was when Harry was like, "Are they dead?" and and you know Dumbledore's like, "No," you know, and it's kind of like, "Oh, okay," you know, because it's almost like this level of like cruel being alive, you know, and 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 Neville has to witness that. But yeah, so some interesting character the development there. Um, but uh, obviously we. We see this because Harry is curious and he stumbles upon he's you know, he's in Dumbledore's office, which we haven't been in since that first book and the end of year one. So now Harry's mm, back and he's point, looking yeah. around and uh, and he's uh, he sees a little bit of light and he's a curious guy and uh, we get the pensive and that's kind of, I think, our he, he's a curious cat. He's a curious cat. Yeah. And uh I don't think curiosity ever killed any cats. So, yeah. So, uh, but this is a very curiosity low stakes. <laughs> Breakout in song, Josh. Go for it. And yeah. so the the pensive is that kind of that big world building element. We'll link the the J.K. Rowling's writings on um on the pensive, just a little extra sort of writing mm. in the Wizarding World. But she does say that pensives are rare because the only most advanced wizards ever use them, and because the majority of wizard kind is afraid of doing so, uh, which is really Ooh. interesting. 
and um, you know to say that they're afraid of doing so. I mean, it's it's quite interesting to collect one's thoughts. But I would say if I had to pick a magical object from the wizarding world, a pensive would be a great one to relive your most special and wonderful, yeah. amazing memories. Would just be so amazing. Well, I was I wasn't even thinking of that, Blake. I was just thinking of how how many semi unimportant things I uh, I seem to forget from time to time. I think I, I've got the Richard. the two ends down pretty well. I remember the most important things and then i have a great memory for uh for trivia quite literally not just for trivia games but for like things that don't really matter and so i feel like yes sometimes my brain does feel a bit full and i'm like i'd love to just dump it out into a pencil yeah. right now why uh, not yeah why not that would be so good and and it's interesting but this pensive it actually uh doesn't belong to any individual it says in that it's not dumbledore's pensive although i guess by definition like yeah he's the headmaster so he's he you know he mm. he owns it in a way maybe but it's actually belongs to the school and you know with a with a pensive that's a personal one it's sometimes um they she she writes that it's often buried with the person because it's such a sentimental thing so when right. they, they die that it's buried with them their yeah. sort of memories and things like that and uh, but this one is actually a collective among the headmasters and headmistresses of hogwarts so it's kind of like mm. you know dumbledore can delve into the mind or at least the memories of some of these prior um these these prior headmasters which would be fascinating you know that would be amazing to you know yeah. how, how often did dumbledore do that that would be so cool it'd be great to know a little bit more about how the magic works of of sorting through the different memories you know like especially if you don't know <laughs> what your microsoft computer like if you're like not a file system yeah <laughs> Yeah, what what, what kind Double of files click. and folders are these in? You know, like uh, because all we see is Dumbledore just adding more memories in. He doesn't take any out, and no, no. and and we we see this used in in Order of the Phoenix with so Snape. Snape is putting memories into the pensive. I presume yeah. that not even for Snape would Dumbledore allow all the memories to be in there. Dumbledore seems very careful about who knows what, and so is Dumbledore mm. like quickly taking out memories, putting them in bottles. What's going on there? I'd love to know more about the kind of the filing system and the. The hard drive, I guess, of the of the pensive. How much can it hold? I think. I think what we can say is that there's probably unlimited cloud storage, you know, and you uh, yeah. and so I think uh, I think there could be an unlimited amount of memories. But yeah, you you would almost maybe there's a bit of thinking or thoughts or like you know it, because it's connected with memories in the mind. Maybe you know it can connect if you think about a certain year and then it brings back those memories. Mm. Or because obviously it's a bit funny if to be like you put your memory in that you struggle with memory. And you have to remember that memory in order That's to right. like, pull it yeah. back out. You know, it's like that would not be good for people like me who, you know, like no. I, I, no. I want a nice like 2019, 2018, 2017. And you can like go back on your those memories and, and kind of file through them. Um, but yeah, such a awesome piece of um i guess uh, uh sort of magic uh in the in the pensive and uh, a pretty sweet but through that, we see uh, this kind of, I guess, courtroom number 10, uh, as it is, uh, which is used by the Council of Magical Law and the Wizengamot uh, for those four uh, hearings that we know of, three that we actually see in this chapter, Igor Karkroff's Ludo Bagman's and the Lestranges and Bartemius Crouch Jr. So those three trials there are the memories that we see, but quite an ominous What was the fourth one you're referencing, Blake? The disciplinary hearing of Harry Potter. Of Harry. 
Yes. Yeah. Yes. So okay. Yeah. Not not in this. Yeah, not book. in this book. But yeah. But that's yeah. kind of the only other time we see that courtroom ten, and yeah, cool. we uh, we don't know it as that now, but we uh, we learn that obviously mm. in that chapter. Um, yeah. But man, creepy that the Dementors cool. are used as security. Kind of oof, a bit mm. creepy on that one. Yeah, I'd I'd love to again. There's so many things I'd love to know more about, but I'd love to know. I know who is the. Uh, who was the person who who decided that was going to be the the best idea? Because clearly, it seems like Dumbledore's been a a dissenting voice from the beginning, and and yes. even Mad Eye Moody here is kind of like, oh, you know, I think you know, for certain situations that you know, Dementors are needed, and Dumbledore, I think, right from the beginning is like, you can't really <laughs> control them though, can you? Um, yeah, yeah. We we definitely see how that turns out for for them when we get to that kind of that big second yeah. wizarding war uh, and see that they pretty much turn coat just straight away. I mean, it's like it's just <laughs> there's no reservation. It's like, yep, Dumbledore, yeah. uh, you know, he he can't he can't promise anything to us. Uh, but Voldemort's got the goods. He's got the bodies that we can suck souls from. So we'll go. That's over right. To him. So That's right. it's just and when sucking souls is all you want to do, yeah, yeah, you just That's, you just join up. You suck souls where the souls are. That's really, you know, and, yeah. and uh, Voldemort's the giver of sucky souls. So there you go. How but, many souls uh, could a Dementor suck if a Dementor could suck souls? <laughs> oh, that's great. So mentioned last week, Josh, uh, about the literary devices and the one that used in this chapter and just sort of harkens back to that third person uh, limited. But this pensive really allows Rowling to show and and I guess not just tell like a memory, like Dumbledore's talking yeah. to Harry, yeah. but it really lets us set the scene and like lets Rowling set the scene essentially that this was a place, a time in history and like make the whole chapter about us being there in this courtroom. And I just think, how cool is that? A, w- a good way to get around that third-person limited point of view is this magical sort of memory device. Yeah, I love this introduction. It, it seems really, what's the what's the best way of saying it? It, it? it doesn't seem like she's forcing things here. And it's so interesting to read about. And, and like you said, Blake, it does allow her to show rather than tell us what's going on. Yeah, which is just a Another props to to Rowling for for that, and uh, you know we see this in other books as as well, in different different series and things like that. That if you're dealing with third person limited, you you've got to have some kind of device, some kind of thing to maybe like allow you to uh, switch mm. over. And sometimes that might be just like people bringing in multiple points of view. So it's like you've got a couple of like two third person limited you know, maybe points of view, which can be interesting. Uh, obviously, Rowling pretty much sticks to uh, to to Harry in this in this whole series, uh, and it works for her uh, really really well. But one of the one of the bits of foreshadowing, uh, Josh, is that uh, Harry um, asking Dumbledore why his scar hurts him, and Dumbledore kind of gives Harry, I guess, a satisfactory answer for the time and place. But you can see by some of those comments, and then in the future books, when Dumbledore refers back to you know, ah, oh, in your first year, Harry, you were too young. In your second year, I just couldn't, you know, in your third year, blah, blah, mm. blah, you know, and, and he kind of goes through these years and just kind of justifying excuses that like, you know, it's because he loved Harry and he didn't want to like burden Harry. And um, this is one of those moments that he's referring back to is that, um, well, you know, this is, you know, he got so close. I think this is where he mentions he got so close to the answer and he kind of skirted around it. Uh, but a little bit of maybe foreshadowing or post-shadowing, like, you know, it's not actually the foreshadowing element. It's kind of like we will see the foreshadowing, but 
anyway, so that's a little little moment there. Blake, this chapter is is I think really significant because of the the explanation that Dumbledore gives Harry. Even as you've mentioned, he holds quite a bit back. Mm. We do still find out quite a lot about what he suspects even this early yes. on about um, what these dreams mean, how they relate to the bigger story, as well as finding out some pretty crucial things uh, out about Snape, Ludo, Barty Crouch Jr., Igor Karkaroff, um, and Barty Crouch Sr. himself. So this chapter really does give us a, a rapid fire in a way that doesn't feel rapid fire, I guess, because we're all the memories are in the same location. And so it doesn't feel like we're traveling a lot to find all this information out. Yeah, but we're, yeah. we're getting all all this um, key information all at once because it all happened in the same room and makes it kind of feel as though it happened at a much closer time. Thanks for listening to today's episode. To support the podcast and keep the magic alive, you can leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. You can also support us financially at www.buymeacoffee.com forward slash pod and to send us questions on our Instagram, email or website, muffleyadopodcast.com. To continue the adventure, join us next time as we discuss the 31st chapter of Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, The Third Task.